show from home and trying to get a stu the studio working. I never saw the intro, but I guess you're saying we're on. So uh, welcome to America Can We Talk? I'm Debbie George Addis. On today's show, we're going to talk about thought control you never see, vaccines, Medicare, Woody Harrelson, and the WHO, Arizona bombshell testimony, and Dilbert canceled and Angela Davis exposed. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's first five. I'm Debbie George Addis. Again, I'd like to apologize for a little bit of uh, confusion at the front end of the show. Uh, don't have things working quite right from our Real News PR studio uh, and my home studio, but I'm glad to be on with you on America Can We Talk. On today's first five, I call this segment Thought Control You Never See. And I cannot wait to tell you about this uh, incident, that this uh, effort that I attended. So last week, there was a small meeting of very serious um, conservatives, patriots who want to see America restored, want to see victory in the 2024 elections, want to see America restored, want to see uh, pulling America back on track to being the, the country, the free country it was intended to be and pushing against uh, back against the radical left. One thing I learned, I want to share with you, which was just downright astounding. So, you know, I've talked in the show many times how the leftist mindset, the globalist, Marxist, socialist, communist mindset has overtaken Amer the media in the country, has overtaken academia, how you have people in colleges who you know, are taught for four years about America's evil and socialism is wonderful and capitalism is mean and communism is great, blah, blah, blah. What I learned at this meeting recently, though, was, and it, it centered on the idea of how much um, AI is used, uh, you know, artificial intelligence is used to gather information, to to really propagandize and um, affect America's thought. And before I tell you about these organizations I learned about, I'll tell you a quick story because it reminded me of this while we were at this meeting. So in either in high school or college, I don't remember which, but in an English literature course on short stories, um, I read a short story and the gist of the story seems so relevant we're, we'll talk about today. The story was basically a guy uh, who's driving home from work every single day and he's on the freeway and he passes a billboard. He sees the billboard had an ad for whatever, I don't know, peanut butter, you know, something inconsequential. So he's driving along, he sees the billboard, he gets off at the next exit, stops in the grocery store and buys a six pack of beer. And then he gets back in the car and goes home and he opens the refrigerator at home and his entire refrigerator is stuffed with six packs of beer, exactly the same thing he just bought. And you know, his wife is saying, why'd you buy more? We already have all this beer here. Well, the storyline was about the idea that this billboard the guy saw on the way home from work every day had contained in it subliminal advertising, subliminal advertising where it looked like it was an ad for peanut butter or puppies or whatever, but the uh, behind the scenes, what his eyes were really subconsciously catching was an advertisement to buy this kind of beer. And he didn't realize that that's what he was seeing. You know, he thought he just saw some innocuous billboard, but somehow he was driven to pull over and go buy some beer. And the reason I'm telling you that is, I think that kind of seeing a billboard, not realize you're being manipulated, 
is happening in a mountain of ways, a ton of ways in this country, and explains a lot about the country's seeming shift to the left, meaning more and more young Americans will say, yeah, I think, you know, socialism is great and, and communism is great and America is evil and America's founders are evil and, and all the things that leftists um, teach young people to say. And there is, as I said, the very direct propagandizing uh, by left-wing media in our country and by academia and media and Hollywood and all of that. But there's even more than that going on. That's part of what this meeting was all about, was recognizing how determined the left-wing Marxist agenda is in this world to take down America. It is absolutely dedicated to uh, pushing America over the cliff to leftism. You know, they want, what do they call it, progressivism, prog progressivism or Marxism or socialism. The, the goal is to get people steered in that direction, often without them realizing how they're being steered who's steering them, what they're being taught, and what they're being told. It is very much like subliminal advertising. It is just a constant presenting of information, maybe not overt, but designed to manipulate how Americans think. So this, this meeting I was at, they produced a list of 60, six zero organizations that are leftist funded, a lot by Eric Schmidt or other, these the former, uh, I think it was Google CEO, a lot of other very, very billionaire level leftists who fund organizations to push the progressive message in a way that often we don't even see. These organizations often provide aid and assistance to candidates, elected officials, people who are going to help people register to vote. I mean, these organizations range in their roles. Um, they each have, they have individual roles. They are funded by this, just this swath of, I think, of pure evil, these leftist billionaires. And on top of that, uh, they are um, set up in a way that is, um, that is, can cause many people to re realize what exactly they're being drawn into. So for example, they, they're organizations that help candidates phrase progressive messages in a happy talk, friendly sounding way, kind of like they're advertising, take good care of your puppies when they're really advertising, let's overthrow America. But they are organizations, uh, they have one uh, called change research, polling for the people. It's not just polling that talks about, here's how to do a good poll, but they provide aid and assistance. So the polling actually ends up being opinion changing polling. I'm not saying, so, I mean, I could run through all these organizations and take the entire show to tell you about them, but it just, I, I left, I'll quickly tell you a few other ones. Uh, organizations exist and li literally they cost the candidate, elected official, the user, almost nothing because they're funded by these billionaires, all with the end goal of moving America away from our foundation of freedom and into the embrace of progressivism, which is just going to end up in communism before you know it. But in any case, uh, there was one called Avalanche Craft Communications that resonate, activate, uh, win. There, it's a marketing firm. Uh, one uh, provides uh, financial technology for good, helps people to find financing for these left-wing projects and campaigns. Um, they, uh, they have runs that summarize referendums to help people understand which referendums uh, advance the leftist cause. Um, they have ones that uh, they help progressive campaigns and advocacy organizations reach the right people really down in the weeds, gathering of mountains of data. So the candidate who wants to push, you know, uh, let's let's have a, you know, let's have a, an open border or some other left-wing cause, they are helped in targeting that message to exactly the people they want. I'm telling all this to say that if you 
have thought that all that is needed to win back America in the 2024 elections and going forward is just a great candidate and great messaging. You know, you, we're like at the kindergarten level. And I left this meeting. This was a very intense two-day meeting. I left that meeting thinking I, that even as well-informed and as policy-conscious as I am, I'm happy to dive in and read all sorts of depths of policy, I was missing a lot of what was swaying American public opinion, really missing a lot. And, these, and that these people uh, funding these things and working these things, they are as dedicated to taking down America as the American military was in, to, in defeating Nazism in, uh, in World War II. I mean, they are that dedicated. They are, they are militantly dedicated to taking down America through these and pushing America toward these progressive, which leads to socialist, which leads to communist ideas. And the money and the means and the organizations and the staffing and the covering of every conceivable avenue you would ever need, it, it's all right. It, it has existed. And so uh, part of what I took away from this meeting was, uh, number one, before I forget to say it, even with all of the left doing this, and the leftists, I've spoken many times with you about the long march through the institutions, how the uh, Marcuse, the communists basically, who realized they couldn't take America down overtly, militarily, they could destroy America by causing us to simply turn on ourselves and stop believing in ourselves. They, they drove wedges of uh, d disagreement within American society, this cultural Marxism idea, destroy America from within by basically causing people to question the very goodness and greatness of America. So that's been going on forever and ever. But this new massive funding and, um, and just concerted effort is deeply, deeply troubling. So I took away from it, number one, everybody who has any capacity to be involved in any way, in any issue, we need to be involved like starting today. If you decide that you the school board is your issue, which is a great issue to have, then, then go for the, either run for school board yourself or knock yourself out getting somebody uh, elected to school board. If there's someone else who'd be a good candidate. And the other thing the left does that we don't do very well because Republicans and conservatives tend to be nice. We're just nice. And so, you know, when you see something really bad about an elected official, you know, who's a school board member who's pushing porn or a school board member who's really rock on with CRT, let's make sure all the kids hate each other based on their skin color. Target those people. I don't mean in any way physically or in any, and putting them in danger. I mean, print out what they said, put it on every form of social media you can find, and then do it again the next day, and do it again the next day, and do it again the next day. We have to recognize we are in a war for the very future, the very existence of America. The left has been fighting in ways most of us on the right never see, never recognize. So we need to be on that bandwagon. Um, and I tell you, the um, other, so that there was, it was an eye-opening thing, and I'm aware of these organizations. Uh, the other very quick thing that um, I noticed in getting ready for today's show that is kind of related to that is, you know, Zuckerberg um, funded during the last presidential campaign in 2020, all those, um, you know, the, the massive mail-in ballot fraud effort. I mean, he, you know, he funded, he put boxes. He claims, I'm just trying to help everybody, as he always does. You know, just trying to help put boxes in communities, make it easier to vote. And obviously the boxes were centered in Democrat majority areas um, and facilitated what was the massive mail-in ballot fraud uh, recounted and laid out for you, uh, for all of us to see in Dinesh D'Souza's film, uh, 2000 Mules. You can see what was done with that. 
so that was Zuckerberg of, 20, uh, of the year 2020. Now what he's doing, he's announced something new. His organization is Center for Tech and Civic Life. Center for Tech and Civic Life, which sounds innocuous as all left-wing Destroy America organizations sound. They sound so nice. So people often call this CTCL, uh, again, Center for Tech and Civic Life. They have a new thing called uh, the U.S. Alliance for Election Excellence. Well, who could be against election excellence? What a great idea. Let's, we want our elections to be excellent. But what he's doing, as you might imagine, is getting around to the idea of putting money into jurisdictions to envision, support, and celebrate excellence in U.S. election administration. And so the money is going to go to states and counties that will allow the Zuckerberg money to help, which always means in some way facilitate cheating and enable the left to maintain and increase its power in this country. Uh, we have had, since the debacle of the 2020 elections, we have had 24 states and 12 counties in this in this. Um, country, restrict or ban the use of outside funds. It'd be great if every single state did that, but Zuckerberg's sending around his millions uh, to states, basically trying to say, you know, take our millions, we'll help you, let us help you set up uh, election excellence. And all they're doing is another operation out of the left, another operation to take down America, the free, extraordinary, and great. I'll close the first five by saying this. I do talk about election fraud in this show a lot. I talk about COVID and the fraud of the uh, forcing vaccines on people who didn't need them. I talk about the border and the failure to enforce the border as an intentional decision by the Biden administration. I talk about a lot of issues and, and, and many, many issues, military readiness, many issues. But the one uh, among the, the small number of issues that really could change everything and make what the left is doing irreversible um, does have to do with elections. If we can't get the election process fair, if we become bullied by the left describing people who are talking about election fraud as conspiracy theorists or some other kind of bad person, we do end up to where we cannot, we just can't, you know, um, we, we can't move forward. We can't do a thing about it. So uh, recognizing, wrapping up the first five, recognizing that the left is on a mission, uh, you know, if it were a good mission, you call it a mission from God, but they're on a mission to take down, destroy uh, America through a variety of means that are basically funded by billionaires in ways you never see, shaping thought. You, you talk to young people, they have no idea why they think that America is evil and capitalism is evil and communism is good, but they have been brainwashed, propagandized. The propaganda movement against America is massive. In fact, that was one quote I took away from our, our, our um, meeting last week, which was, the American people are the most propagandized population in the world. I mean, obviously subjective, you can't measure that, like you can measure a cup of water or something, but we are. We are propagandized bad enough from the Chinese, bad enough from the Russians. We are propagandized by our own we are propagandized by our, we've lost our, our link again. Okay, I'm gonna have to do it this way. Okay, we are propagandized by our own people, by the left in this country who are absolutely, absolutely determined to take down America and cause us to hate America as form. That's who we're propagandized by. So uh, close out the first five by saying, you know, if you ever, ever, ever were motivated to get on board and save this country, uh, now's the time. We don't, we don't have much time to waste. And we need to, to the extent we can, call out all these organizations that are manipulating thought in ways we never, never knew. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five.
Okay, so we had a, um, I guess we're going to go with the computer camera again. That camera's not working. Okay. Uh, the next topic I'm talking about is vaccination data, uh, Medicare, Woody Harrelson, and the World Health Organization. What I want to tell you about that is um, there was uh, data, and I talked about, I think, briefly last week, but there's a great Substack column, a great Substack column called um, by a guy whose name is Steve Kirsch, K-I-R-S-C-H, Steve Kirsch, and, and he writes a great column on many topics, but one of the topics is, um, and the big topic he's been focusing on, is trying to get square, straight shooter information out of the government on the subject of the COVID vaccines. How dangerous are they? How much are they hurting people or not? So he's trying very hard to get that information um, out to the public. And so one thing that happened with him, he's been talking about, you know, how bizarre it is that in that Medicare, which is often viewed to be providing the most reliable, the most reliable data that people, generally speaking, trust. So Medicare was not providing information, not giving information about the impact of the COVID vaccines. So what happened was uh, someone working for Medicare apparently sent him a USB drive, you know, a, a, a flash drive full of information, a USB drive that has Medicare data that links deaths and vaccination dates of Medicare patients. It links deaths and vaccination dates of Medicare patients. So I linked this uh, article again today. I linked it on our website. I do want to urge you to read the full thing. It's quite lengthy. It's a 25-page article. No, 20-page article. But I'll just try the conclusions he reaches. And this is on Medicare data. He says, Medicare data shows that the COVID vaccines increase your chance of dying. Please process that. Medicare data shows that the COVID vaccines increase your chance of dying. Goes on specifically, vaccines are making it more likely that the elderly will die prematurely, not less likely. The risk of death remains elevated. The risk of death for seniors after vaccines remains elevated for an unknown period of time after you get the shot. It isn't like you get the vaccine and as long as you survive the first two weeks, you'll be fine. It stays elevated. And the third is the CDC lied to the American people about the safety of these vaccines. They had the CDC, Center for Disease Control, had access to this data the entire time and kept it hidden and said nothing. So this information, along with the countless other sources, I reported to you doctors, especially the very brave Dr. Peter McCullough, other doctors in this country have been reporting and trying to bring forward what they understand to be uh, what's really occurring, uh, the, uh, the vast number of unexpected deaths, you know, died suddenly, uh, insurance companies reporting a great increase in the unexpected death of young people. I mean, or their healthy age of whatever it is, 19 to 45. Massive increase, massive decrease in in birth, in in live births. Massive, uh, just a decrease in live births, a decrease in fertility, an increase of stillborn babies or babies dying in the womb. I mean, the data are so bad now, and. And so in this country, you have more people kind of starting to speak up and say, what the heck is going on? And so I, I wanted to uh, kind of juxtapose that data, which is now out there. And frankly, unless you live under a rock or you only read the CDC and whatever they say you think is gospel, the American people know this. The American people know this. They understand what that these vaccines are dangerous. Piled on with all of the Pfizer vaccine data that a court forced Pfizer to release, 
the, the data related to the testing of the vaccines. When this information was first sought, Pfizer said they couldn't release the testing data for uh, 75 years. And the CDC, your government uh, entity that is paid for by your tax dollars, went along with Pfizer and said, yeah, they shouldn't have to release their, their testing data. But fortunately, a judge said, no, actually, you do have to release it. And that data related to Pfizer's vaccines has been, I, I mean, it is so brutal, so horrible. We've, we've gone through numerous examples on the show before of what the, the data actually show about Pfizer knew when they, they released it and they swore to the public, oh, yeah, it's safe, it's great, it's wonderful. And the, the, the trials were deadly. The vaccines were deadly. And Pfizer knew this. So then you get around to our friend Woody Harrelson, who's usually kind of a left winger. You know, he's a comedian, and he did the Saturday Night Live um, opening um, little segment. He was uh, hosting Saturday Night Live, <clears throat> excuse me, and he did a little opening segment, which we're going to play for you because Woody Harrelson, leftist that he is, actually went there in talking about the uh, vaccines um, and what has seemed to have happened. So let us please, Emilio, play that, uh, that tape from Woody Harrelson. Okay, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. I mean, who is gonna believe that crazy idea <laughs> being forced to do drugs? I do that voluntarily all day long. <laughs> anyway, it's about that time. <laughs> Still no Jack. Okay. Well, we got a great show for you tonight. Jack White is here, so stick around. We'll be right back. Okay. So that's our friend Woody Harrelson. What's really entertaining, interesting about this, so Woody Harrelson, uh, you know, he basically... He's talk, telling a story in his little monologue about how he, you know, reviewed a script and how absurd that script was. It was trying to talk about all these powers coming together and forcing people to stay home, forcing them to take drugs they didn't want to take. And he's obviously talking about the biopharmaceutical industry along with our own government, FDA and CDC. He's obviously talking about them and saying, he read this script, which is, he's just making that up, but, you know, read this script, how absurd is this, you know? And I mean, so I, I it was very entertaining. And uh, as you notice, if you listen to the audience reaction, they were not exactly cracking up. But what was interesting about it was um, the kind of comments that happened afterwards. Um, so there were people who, um, you know, uh, left-wing sources, and I'm going to tie this back into my point, how we are just utterly propagandized at all times. But I sent uh, Emilio, my happy producer, uh, some of these headlines. And the first one, I think, came from Daily Beast and HuffPo, Huffington Post. So Daily Beast and Huffington Post, these um, two headlines, they are complaining, they're criticizing Woody Harrelson for having the, um, you know, for talking about the vaccines as dangerous. The Daily, Be the Daily Beast one says, Woody Harrelson spews anti-vax conspiracies in rambling SNL monologue. I mean, 
Honestly, the audience kind of loved it um, while he was talking. Uh, and then HuffPo, Huffington Post, Woody Harrelson rambles about weed, anti-vax conspiracy, and SNL monologue. So he gets criticized. One more came from Variety, um, Woody Harrelson's Saturday Night Live monologue, <clears throat> excuse me, makes COVID uh, conspiracy jokes, and then Rolling Stone had one. Woody Harrelson spreads anti-vax conspiracies during SNL monologue. The reason I wanted to talk about that, you can come back. So the reason I want to talk about that is these outfits, these left-wing outfits, you know, whether it's Variety or Rolling Stone or Daily Beast, they've obviously gotten the memo from the powers that be on the left no matter what anyone says, no matter how much data comes out, no matter what, no matter what people realize, no matter what they think about anything, you know, they need to be mocked and ridiculed if they dare challenge the vaccines. And the fact is, everyone paying attention can see that the vaccines are dangerous. The CDC had to come out and say, well, actually, you know, the vaccines that we've been pushing, they don't prevent uh, you from getting COVID. They don't prevent you from spreading COVID. They don't prevent you from being hospitalized. They don't prevent you from dying of COVID, which would be like a big, that's 0 for 4 in the things that vaccines are supposed to do. The CDC admits this now. And yet, I mean, this is kind of this, I was talking in the early seg earlier segment today about how all these sources um, that are that are at work in society, pushing the messaging, driving the messaging. The message is you are all hypnotized into fear. You must be hypnotized and you must understand the vaccines are safe. Don't listen to facts, don't listen to data, don't listen to anybody else. This is what they're trying to push. And and yet in these outfits, outfits, uh, Daily Beast and HuffPo um, haven't yet gotten permission from the powers that be to say, actually, you know, that's uh, these there's vaccines are dangerous and um, and so uh, here you have we have Variety and, and Rolling Stone pushing that as well. So, and and the other thing, interesting thing I was going to tell you about that is, you know, it's one thing which I mean, obviously, um, many many people are concerned about the vaccines, and they're concerned because they can't seem to get a straight answer out of CDC, NIH, FDA, anyone, the federal government. They can't get the government to say, okay, now that all of you have seen the Pfizer data, we realize you're kind of concerned. Let us take a step back. Let's take a step back and reconsider. They can't get the federal government to even do that. They still run COVID vaccine ads on television during sports as though people think, oh, you know, I mean, as all these people in Washington think, oh, these idiot Americans, you know, yeah, the data's out there. And everyone can see Pfizer was a disaster, but, you know, we don't have to worry about that. You know, we're just going to put some other stupid ad out and people are going to go, oh, okay, you know, let's look at the ad. So, um, what I want to say about that is, you know, the frustration of the American people in not seeming to be able to get anyone in Washington to pay any attention at all, to come clean, to say, we made a mistake, as we have done with other vaccines in this country. We pulled them back. We've said either this is too dangerous, too many deaths, far fewer deaths than are occurring now under these vaccines, and we pull vaccines back. But it is like the government uh, in the form of CDC and FDA and NIH, all these federal agencies and the biopharmaceutical companies who are actually have captured those agencies. So the agencies aren't really doing the job anyway. And no one in any of that massive cabal of billions of dollars is willing to say to the American people, we might have made a mistake pushing the vaccines. Let's pull them back. Let's rethink this. 
Why don't we start to admit that actually people who, who didn't get the vaccines have tremendous immunity in their system because of natural immunity and they, and, and they have acquired immunity because they contracted COVID and they got through it and their body's stronger for it. Why not have them pull back and say, you know what? We actually have discovered these inexpensive medications that I know we were lacking them before, but actually we have, you know, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and inhaled budesonide and a bunch of new ones. You know, why don't we just pull back a little bit and rely on those? Because we don't seem to need these vaccines now. The COVID, uh, you know, pandemic is long over. It's over. And yet you have the government instead pushing the COVID vaccines for children, for babies, for infants. It is like we can't get them to listen and we can't get them to respond to the facts, which informed people know they just march forward, just like, like hands over their ears, eye, you know, hands over their eyes, just, just, you know, they just push what they're pushing. And the American people are just waiting for somebody to say, actually, we, we might have made a mistake and we would like to come clean that actually should be possible in America. Because it's not just the American citizens waking up, it's citizens around the world waking up. I mean, the pushback is why the New Zealand premier, had, prime minister had to say she wasn't gonna run again because the people are sick of her COVID vaccine lockdown lunacy and they weren't gonna put up with it anymore. So people in the world are awake, people in America are awake, but you can't get one government official to even listen to even respond, except maybe Rand Paul, he's been great. And some of the other uh, officials occasionally in Washington will speak up and say something. But it's like the American people are way ahead of their uh, ruling class, of, of the, uh, the rulers. Compound that with what is now happening this week. The vote is happening this week at the World Health Organization for the uh, an agreement that America has signed on to. Biden has signed on, and it sounds good to him, so you have this vote at the World Health Organization, which is essentially to say that they are, we are going to agree that America no longer has sovereignty over our own healthcare system and over our own response to the pandemic because, or, and future pandemics. That instead of signing on to uh, agree with the, um, signing on to, excuse me, instead of America having sovereignty, we're saying, you know what? Yeah, we're gonna just go ahead with the World Health Organization. Whatever they say is fine with us. So we're letting the World Health Organization, the plan is, the plan is to set the World Health Organization up as above the power of the American government to control the response to future pandemics. It's not just to declare a pandemic. The World Health Organization, you know, they might think they're the only ones who should get to declare a pandemic, which of course they aren't. But this is about making decisions about who is exactly in charge, who exactly is going to decide things uh, for the people, who's going to decide when we have to be masked, who's going to decide when we have to be shut down, who's going to decide whether the uh, vaccines are voluntary or um, must be mandated, who's going to do any of those things. And this is all America under Biden is agreeing the World Health Organization can replace America, replace the sovereignty of the American government and instead go with the World Health Organization making these decisions for us. I am not exaggerating in what I'm describing to you, and this is happening right now. It seems like this should be something that every elected Republican in Congress and in the state legislatures ought to be standing up and saying, we're not giving the World Health Organization 
We're not giving them any degree of our sovereignty. And I think part of the reason is there are many people who think, well, you know, let those silly people at World Health Organization, they can sign anything they want. But, you know, we're still America. We still have sovereignty. We're still in charge. We don't have to worry about this. But people, we do. We do have to worry about it. I want to tell you a few more details about why you should care so much. Number one, people in the Senate, because, you know, you know, of course, in our Constitution, America cannot enter into a treaty just because the president of the United States or anyone he delegates signs a treaty. The treaty clause in the Constitution says that the United States Senate must affirm a treaty. And if the United States Senate will not affirm a treaty, it's not a treaty and we're not bound by it. And I think many people think, well, then then we'll be okay. You know, whatever happens, World Health Organization, let them pass our stupid bill. We're not going to worry about that. But that's not true in, the, in this case. And let me just tell you what's going on with that. So in the United States Senate, 17 U.S. senators, led by the enormously wonderful consequential Senator Ron Johnson, introduced a bill called No WHO, World Health Organization, Pandemic Preparedness Treaty Without Senate Approval Act. So this was a bill that the Senate introduced February 15th, Ron Johnson driving at 17 other Republican senators, maybe 17 total senators have signed on. And they're basically saying, we're not going to agree with what this World Health Organization thing says. We don't care what you sign. We insist that you follow the treaty process, which is a really good thing for them to do. You actually ought to ask yourself, why aren't 100 senators, all of them signing on, except Fetterman, who's not any longer functioning. We'll leave that to another day. But in any case, why are all 99 senators signing on to this and saying, we don't care, Biden, what you or your, or your loopy allies and World Health Organization want. We're retaining American sovereignty over pandemic policy. But only 17 senators signed on. But at least they got it started. The conversation is happening. But I want to tell you about there is commentary by extremely wise. Um, I could read you the other senators who signed on. But there's a... Um, expert opinion being offered by uh, Francis Boyle, who's a professor of international law at Illinois University. And he was interviewed about this effort of Ron Johnson to say, this stupid who thing is not going to take power unless the Senate is not going to be, you know, enacted. It's not going to be uh, govern America unless the Senate approves. And he, this guy is saying, with all due respect to the sponsoring senators, that will not do the trick. The reason he said is that the WHO accord is drafted specifically to circumvent the Senate approval process. They actually, Biden wrote this. When you say that, when I tell you Biden is not on our team, he's not on the side of America, he's not on the side of the people, I, this is a good example. He's trying to give away American sovereignty, trying to. He's, he's working at it as hard as he can. So you have him, Biden, you know, giving away American sovereignty to the World Health Organization and writing language into the deal he set with them to say, by the way, we're working this around so it doesn't have to go through the U.S. Senate. Now, I will tell you something, folks. So, so this, this uh, law professor is saying the only tool that Congress has in its you know, arsenal to fight this surrender of American sovereignty for the future about pandemic policy. So we'll have the lunatic Chinese-controlled, Chinese Communist Party-controlled World Health Organization telling America when we have to shut down, when we have to shut down our businesses, when we have, what vaccines we have to take. That's how far this goes. 
you have 17 senators trying to say stop, and this professor is saying that, that what you're trying to do in this bill uh, will not uh, will not be sufficient. That, that, that will become this treaty will become enforceable regardless of what you're trying to do in this bill. He says the only thing that can happen is under the Constitution, uh, because America funds the World Health Organization, as we fund everything, under the Constitution, the U.S. House has the, the power over the purse. So he's saying the only way to fight this is to have Congress, through the House, through the power of the purse, defund the World Health Organization, stop funding the World Health Organization. Fortunately, the very great Chip Roy from the great state of Texas has sponsored such a bill. It was actually uh, sponsored last session, too, but he reintroduced it this time, H.R. 343, no taxpayer funding for the World Health Organization. And it's sponsored by Chip Roy, um, co-sponsored by uh, 18 other representatives. The gist of it is, and we basically provide the World Health Organization, we provided them in 2020 to 21, you know, that calendar year, that um fiscal year, we provided them $700 million. And basically, Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy, the great Congressman Chip Roy, saying we're not doing this. I want to make one more point in closing this out. We see how frustrating it is that we can't get our own federal agencies to respond to data widely available to the public. No one will respond. You know, Fauci's out by the World Health Organization, wants to come in. But right here in America, you have CDC, NIH, FDA, all these federal agencies, state agencies too, piling on, <clears throat> excuse me, not in the slightest degree acknowledging the data made available, which would cause most people to say at least, I'd, at least at the very least, I'd like to ask my own doctor and I'd like to make my own decision about whether or not to get this vaccine. That's what I want to do. I don't want to hear about the, uh, you know, the threats out of the federal government. I don't want to hear the federal government stonewalling the American people and not admitting what is the problem with the vaccines. Think of that frustration and then compound it with or imagine if we actually got to the place the World Health Organization decides America's pandemic policy. Imagine. I mean, what do we do? What? Because at that point, at that point, Congress and, and all of these federal agencies, the Senate, the House, all the federal agencies and bureaucracies, they all can say, hey, it's out of our hands. Uh, you know what? I'm sorry you don't like the World Health Organization is doing, but it's out of our hands. Remember that treaty? Well, you know, we can't do a thing about it. So it really takes the responsibility completely and, and the accountability completely away from our own government. It is the most outlandish, ludicrous thing. I'll say one more point in my happy background as an attorney. I actually think even though, um, even though this treaty was written in a way that would um, that is designed to circumvent the need for a Senate approval of the treaty, which is this, this law professor is saying, that's how they wrote this deal so that, that no Senate approval is needed. I still say, I still think if we could have justices, judges and justices in our federal courts who actually follow not just the constitution and the letter, but the spirit of the constitution, I still think that the uh, litigation would result in a decision by the Supreme Court saying you, Biden administration, you, you know, whoever represented him over there, all of the, you know, all of your administration that put this deal in place and signed on for America, this World Health Organization thing, you had no authority to do that. I still think the Supreme Court, uh, a, a one that would follow the Constitution, would throw out, just throw out this World Health Organization deal 
uh, treaty and say America is not bound by it because it didn't go through the Senate. And, and you, President Biden, whoever's president by them, you know, you don't have any authority to avoid the Constitution or to write a treaty in such a way that avoids the Constitution. If you had justices committed to America, the idea of America, the idea of why we have Senate approval, which is to avoid having a rogue presidency, which we have right now, you would have that court strike that down. So I'm not completely, I mean, I, I don't, I, I'm truly fear that even if the U.S. House says, you know, gets everyone on board, says we're not funding the World Health, funding the World Health Organization, if that bill gets done and, you know, it, it's obviously run into major headwinds in the Senate, uh, whatever kind of portion of um, whatever bill it's part of, I mean, it'll be a battle. The Democrats are not going to easily give in because the Democrats are all about surrendering America's sovereignty to, um, you know, really to uh, globalism. And this is a, a gigantic step. And so, but I will say having that bill in place at least starts the idea. And I hope the House with a Republican majority can stand strong and just say, not funding the World Health Organization. They cannot have our money. We're not going to allow this to happen. But, you know, I, I talk about a lot of issues on this show. And I know I, um, I get, I am deeply concerned about America and America's future. And I, I think if you are informed about what's happening to our country, you cannot help but be concerned. You, you just can't help but be concerned. But um, I do, I see glimmers of hope. Chip Roy is a huge glimmer of hope. But as are uh, other people who are fighting in various ways, uh, doctors speaking up about what is the um, vaccine agenda, the, you know, the pandemic agenda, what's coming next, how we're going to have, an, as Fauci has promised, we're going to have more vaccines. We're going to have more um uh, we're going to have more viruses come along. Uh, where this is the, in fact, Fauci wrote a piece. This is the era of uh, viruses, the era of pandemics. He's expecting more. He's planting the seeds of expectation, and we're going to have to have more vaccines. I mean, this is an agenda, and so to me, the uh, vital importance for elected officials is to at least stand for the sovereignty of Americans, saying you know, even if we do have more viruses created in a lab or otherwise, we're going to retain American sovereignty and America's right uh, to govern our people and our response to um, pandemics. It, it's, it just couldn't be a bigger issue, folks. Okay. I want to hit two other things today, which I remember out of time. One was having to do uh, with bombshell testimony that came out um, out of Arizona. And, um, it, you know, I actually rarely use the word bombshell because I, I see websites that have every story is a bombshell, like, you know, a congressman forgot to tie his shoes is a bombshell story. I mean, just everything is a bombshell. And if everything is, nothing is. But this really was a bombshell, and I called it that. And um, I will tell you that the story is not yet verified, and, uh, and yet it's so... Um, the circumstances surrounding his presentation um, give a lot of credence to the story. So I'll very quickly tell you, here's what it is. So there was testimony um, in the Arizona legislature. It was before the two committees, the House and the Senate committees, that basically deal with election integrity uh, in Arizona. And the testimony, again, precisely, it was in front of the Senate Elections Committee and the House Municipal Oversight and Elections Joint Meeting. And so there was a witness at this hearing who testified named, excuse me for this paper, sorry, Jacqueline Brager, B-R-E-G-E-R, Jacqueline Brager. She testified at this hearing um, and she accused uh, the, the, she who occupies the governor's seat in Arizona, Hobbs, Katie Hobbs, um, an organization called Runbeck, um, which was behind a lot of the election issues um, and many judges of racketeering. Short, simple story. This woman 
works for a law firm, uh, the principal in the law, and, and she's a, she's an investigator. Uh, the principal in the law firm's last name is Thayer, T-H-A-Y-E-R. And they have been investigating racketeering involving particularly one of the Mexican cartels, the Sinaloa cartel, S-I-N-O-L-O-A, Sinaloa cartel. And they've been investigating for years, uh, investigating how they launder money. They get money into America. They launder money a variety of ways. And they had uh, many descriptions, kind of unique ways in which they launder money. Um, and those unique ways uh, included things like uh, having, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm going to put that off to another day because it's interesting, but it, I want the, the meat of the story for today's show, and given the time I have left, is that this woman testified after they all the research they have done, and they have uh, been looking at Sinaloa cartel, how they launder money, and uh, the various mechanisms they do, they do, and they've got documents, uh, I mean, you know, pages and pages of documents, um, and they are able, willing to present them to show them um, that essentially say that among other officials and other people involved in this uh, laundering of the Sinaloa cartel um, money, a uh, laundering money, racketeering operation, actually includes the governor, uh, the woman they claimed as the winner of the governor of the Arizona election, Katie Hobbs, um, along with several other very high, high elected officials um, in Arizona. She is saying they are part of this. They are cooperating. They are committing racketeering with this Sinaloa cartel by laundering their money. She named Katie Hobbs by name, the governor of Arizona, and she went through a very lengthy description of the process and, and you know, involves uh, home purchases and fraudulent deeds and fraudulent uh, signed documents allegedly by notaries and fra uh, fraudulent title to property. So it's a massive money laundering operation. This woman is directly accusing Katie Hobbs of being involved in this. And, uh, and so she, this woman, Jacqueline um, Brager, works for this Thayer law firm. Uh, caveat, just so you know, the question's being raised. Thayer uh, is the, uh, involved in a custody dispute, custody dispute uh, with his ex-wife, who's one of the two principals in this, uh, this laundering operation. These two, this mother and daughter team are, are part of this, mother and adopted adult daughter are this allegedly pulling off this whole racketeering scheme, including bringing in Hobbs and other high elected Democrat officials in Arizona, along with, by the way, she says, judges are compromised, uh, people are wrongly, uh, prosecutors are compromised, people are charged with things they, they didn't do, the evidence was planted, and they're talking massive racketeering um, allegation. And this woman, by the way, she's not you know a secret hidden um, you know, whistleblower hiding her identity. She's out there testifying in public under oath, running through what I just described to you, far more detail, laying out details, laying out how it occurs, laying out who they believe are uh, complicit. But the caveat is, so, the, so Thayer, the lawyer she works for, um, is in a custody dispute over a child. Uh, he was, the, these two women who are the mother and adult daughter team who are, he's accusing of, of running this operation or at least being a big part of this operation of organizing the uh, racketeering uh, money laundering uh, is his ex-wife. So, you know, there, there's that angle of it. But on the other hand, uh, this woman who works for him, she's not just wildly spewing accusations. She's, she's providing, and she says, by the way, that they, this Thayer team discovered so much evidence as massive corruption that they actually brought it to the governor of Arizona, Ducey. They brought it to Ducey last year, last year, and showed it to him, said, look at the money laundering corruption in your state, judges and courtrooms and prosecutors and elected officials. 
and he didn't do anything. Now, I don't know, you know, what his thinking was. Maybe he saw it and didn't seem, uh, he wanted to have someone else independently look at it. Maybe he, but you know, I don't know what his, we'll have to, I mean, eventually he's going to be forced to make some statement about why, what, you know, what he did or why, why he didn't do anything. But I do think it's really, um, several things are, occur about this as tied into America and tied into America's future. Um, one is that um, when you have entities compromised like this, involving money, it's not just they took money from, if they did do it, but it's not just they took money and, and made money themselves. So they're helping launder money, they're being paid to launder money, but they've also come under the direct threat and control of the Sinaloa uh, cartel. I mean, cartels are not known for being nice. So once you get involved, you know, people who would get and take any money from them would be uh, concerned themselves that this cartel, uh, full of drug smugglers, murderers, rapists, uh, evil, evil people, you know, they're going to threaten your children, your spouse, your family, your home, your, li your life, everything. So once you're involved at all, if you are and you're getting money, you're not going to be likely to say, you know, I think I'll come clean and I'll turn in these people because your very life and the life of your children and your grandchildren, everybody you know, everybody they know would be devastated by your um you know, by if the cartel came after them uh, and you'd be devastated, so you just stay quiet. And I don't know what uh, propelled Governor Ducey to be to say nothing. I mean, maybe he's worried about his family, his safety, because you don't want to be the one exposing the Sinaloa cartel and all these people involved. But it's a huge, huge blockbuster story. Um, we'll be following it, of course, you know, red flags, because we don't really know um, all that... Um, you know, all that was involved uh, and, and, you know, what was motive. Oh, and but one more quick fact. So this lawyer, Thayer, did not testify himself before these committees. He sent in his forensic investigator, this woman whose last name is Berger or Brager. But uh, he, Thayer, according to Brager, has been subject to at least six uh, threats, uh, attempts on his life. Because he's uncovered. These are nasty, evil people. These are really bad people. And the idea, if they have control of any sets of assets in Arizona, any people, and around the country, the, by the way, Thayer's investigation is all over the country. The testimony arose because it may be that the governor of Arizona, she who occupies, as Biden occupies our White House and she occupies the governor's office in Arizona, um, you know, that may be the highest level place official. And this is a great opportunity at a hearing looking at election integrity, which Arizona ought to be looking at, um, for this to come forward and say, understand uh, what this Katie Hobbs, at least as one person, is accusing her of being involved in. Big story. I'll keep following it. It's, it's impossible to overstate the consequence of this and the need to have very, very ethical people with a lot of bravery and a lot of protection going after all of this if it is proved to be true. Okay, one last quick thing. Um, before we get to the close of our show today, I call this Dilbert Cancelled and Angela Davis Exposed. So very quickly, if you like the Dilbert cartoon, which um, you know a lot of people like, it's, it's very clever and it um, has sometimes had a quasi-ish conservative bent to it. Uh, but anyway, um, Dilbert, a founder, uh, a writer, is a single um, person, is Scott Adams. And as a funny thing, um, when my husband and I were flying home from California, uh, fairly recently, we were out in uh, California, we're flying home, and we ended up not being able to sit together for a variety of reasons, and I was sitting next to some guy 
who was telling me all about, uh, he was asking my dad, I had to have this talk show, and he was telling about Scott Adams, who has a daily podcast. And he says, Scott Adams does it early morning, I guess. And he said, this guy sitting next to me in the plane said, I have never missed his podcast. It's every morning I never miss. So anyway, he's very popular, and, and Dilbert was very popular. Well, he's now been canceled. Dilbert the cartoon's been canceled. He got canceled last year because of some... I get. I don't know what things he said last year, but this year Scott Adams made some comments on his uh, podcast, which led many news outlets to cancel him entirely, to cancel his um, cancel his Dilbert cartoon. Uh, what he's essentially talking about was a study, a, a Rasmussen poll that claimed that almost 50% of Black Americans they were answering the poll question: Is it okay to be white? That was the poll question: Is it okay to be white? And Almost 50% of the black recipients allegedly said, no, it's not okay to be white. Or at least they, they said they couldn't be sure, they couldn't say yes, that's okay to be white. And he made some comments springing off of that. Because I'm almost out of time today, I'm going to have to go and leave the rest of it for tomorrow um, because I don't. I, I think it's worthy of having the whole story told, exactly what the study said, and really my, my thoughts about it, which are, you know, what you're seeing. In fact, there's a great way to close the show with this today. This is exactly, this is a kind of outcome that those manipulating and propagandizing America from the left would want to have. You would have, if this study, if this poll is true, which I don't know, half of American blacks saying they cannot really agree it's okay for someone to be white. This is great news if you're a leftist in America. For radio listeners, you're going off. Come back tomorrow to America Can We Talk. You can watch us here at americacanwetalk.org. This show raced by folks and... Um, Technical difficulties aside, uh, the show raced by, um, I will tell you more about the Dilbert story tomorrow because I do think it's consequential. And there was also a story kind of tied to uh, race relations in America uh, that uh, springs out of Angela Davis, uh, which is an unbelievable story. But we are apparently um, out of time. Um, even given how fast I can talk, we're apparently almost out of time. So as I do at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today uh, talking about the um, thought control you never see. Silicon Valley oligarchs have extended thought control reach far beyond public's awareness. Freedom and free markets permit this. What's needed is to remove any pretension of their objectivity or honesty in pursuit of truth. They have a hard left word worldview and agenda and an intent to control thought to their ends, permeating all walks of life not just academia. Mark Zuckerberg proceeding with assistance with election administration efforts nationwide wanting to pour more money into America's elections. Eric Schmidt, Google co-founder, gazillionaire, investing in multiple startups with subtle and not so subtle thought-shaping purposes around public policy and cultural norms. Americans are the most propagandized people on earth, but don't know it. Mental manipulation by the Biden administration is constant and ongoing. AI, which is artificial intelligence, makes all of this less visible and more dangerous. And Vax's Medicare, Woody Harrelson, and World Health Organization, Medicare data considered among the most reliable healthcare data now shows, per Steve Kirsch, COVID vaccines increase the risk of death. Woody Harrelson used his Saturday Night Live opening to call out Big Pharma for apparent orchestration of the pandemic to achieve billions from vaccination. World Health Organization proposed global takeover of pandemic responses. No U.S. sovereignty 
is up for a vote this week, and you hardly hear anything out of anyone in Washington about this. It, it is outrageous. The safe and effective vaccines narrative has collapsed. It is grotesquely false. Deception by the government and big pharma exposed as willful, deliberate. Yet, government still refusing to acknowledge reality, still pushing vaccines. Americans are reaching the breaking point. We can't live by lies. I'll go ahead and uh, play the last one, even though we couldn't get to it all. Um, an Arizona bombshell testimony, Arizona financial fraud investigation led by attorney John Thaler turns up apparently documented links between Sinaloa cartel, Mexican drug cartel, and bribe politicians and other government officials linked to perpetration of election fraud. Very particularly, Sinaloa cartel connections were found to actually be accessing Maricopa County voter registration data. Evidence submitted in sworn public testimony to the Arizona legislature. Story still being verified. <clears throat> Questions about motives of Thaler due to child custody fight with ex-wife, who's also one of the alleged Sinaloa links, but appears to include the receipts. They claim they have mountains of documents backing up everything they're saying. Ramifications of Arizona testimony are enormous. Arizona alleged governor, Katie Hobbs, implicated, if documents check out, this will not be possible to ignore or sweep away. And here she comes, we can only hope, Governor Carrie Lake. And Dilbert being canceled uh, and Angela Davis exposed, uh, Scott Adams, Dilbert, getting canceled over remarks prompted by poll result results about racism. Okay to be white, in quotes, regardless of who first said it, is a generic and logical statement. And Adams should have disputed the good faith or legitimacy of the poll and this divisive agenda and criticize the racial race baiting that is rampant on America's left. In America, it's okay to be white, black, brown, Asian, etc., etc., and racism is never okay. Content of character matters, skin color does not. Angela Davis, I didn't get to this story, but I'll just tell you quickly Angela Davis was on a PBS live interview. And, you know, she's a big radical leftist, a 60s violent, you know, uh, you know, Black Panther type. And she's told into reparations. And she was told on air live during an interview that they had traced back her ancestry. And she has ancestors, Angela Davis, ancestors who came over on the Mayflower. And after that, she has ancestors who were slave owners. Kind of hard, kind of hits hard. We'll talk about the consequence of this more tomorrow. Anyway, Angela Davis turns out to be descended from Mayflower passengers and white slave owners. So does she owe reparations or she owed them? Does she have to pay herself? Obsession with racism and the history of slavery is a leftist tool of division. Americans need to reject race baiting in all its forms. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America Can We Talk. Truth about America. Can you